It's time for the John Clay Wolf Show. Heard on the air, coast to coast, and worldwide at jcwshow.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the John Clay Wolf Show. My name is John Clay Wolf, and with us today, we have Adam Carolla. Adam, welcome to my studio. Thank you. It's beautiful what you've done here. It is. I may try to build one and simulate it myself one day. It is nice, the lighting, the monitors. We went through, we, we, we did it all. I'll tell you, no, kidding kidding around, um, we're in Adam's studio. I'm in L.A., and we were going to do this over the phone, and I happened to be here, and he was nice enough to say, bring it on over, and we'll just do it here. So if this place looks unfamiliar, it's because it's Adam's studio, and if it does look familiar, he's one of your viewers. Yeah. Um, I have no notes. I have no agenda. I have no preparation. That's what I look for in okay. a host. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have to worry about me. I, I, I like know. talking cars. That's why I'm not worried about it. I mean, um, but what I do, you know, you, you've been on my show before. You probably don't remember it because you've done so many damn, you know, when you're going on tour, you do so many Girl, radio hits. done so many so hits. Many. Sure. So many hits. I do four hours live every Saturday. I do 50 shows a year on um, 72 stations. We're cleared on 72 classic rockers around the country. That's good. It's fun. Yeah. So I'm still a radio head. I'm still doing terrestrial. I love radio. I do too. And I know it's dying and it's dead and who would do that? Well, still a lot of people listen. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the numbers are, are lower since COVID, but it's still right here. We're on KLOS um, 95.5. Well, I grew up with it. Right. And you, uh, you know, you caught my radar when you replaced Stern. Mm. Was that L- LSX, KLS? KLSX. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was in 05? I think it was in 06. When he did the switch? I don't know. He probably did it in 05, but I think I started at the beginning of 06. Right. How long did you do that, that slot? Uh, I did it three years plus. Mm-hmm. Do you miss it? Do you, I mean, short of the <laughs> early morning wake up? Um, it's a different medium, God Almighty, live radio. Yeah, you know, doing comedy early in the morning I was always a little bit of a was always a little bit of a grind because comedy is sort of. I would always say this: like you like steaks, everyone goes, "Yeah." You like a martini, yes. How about five forty-five in the morning? They go, "No." Right. It, it's a nightclub type of a endeavor. Mm-hmm. And that's why comedy shows are ten o'clock at night, not at 10 a.m., you right. know, and so I, I kind of felt that doing comedy early in the morning was a little bit more difficult, especially since I, I wasn't really a morning, you know, guy, but uh, I thought the show was good and, and I was happy to do it. Was the expectation of filling Stern's audience, was that rough or was it smooth? Um, it was rough because we got out of the gate with sort of a news girl that wasn't great. And, uh, the guy who ran the station wasn't a fan and there was some, it was tough. We were hobbled a little at the beginning. The guy who was the program director had in mind to have a couple of local talent that he for saw, saw over, um, or oversaw slide in. And then when I got it, he looked at me as kind of an outsider from another station. He and, didn't pick you. No. And right. it wasn't it wasn't a very hospitable situation. But even with that, managed to, you know, grow into something that was a you know, uh, resembled a decent morning show. Right. 
Did you do all? I mean, I, I wasn't listening back then, but did you do the dirty stuff or did you? Were you just doing you? I was doing me. I didn't want to do a lot of uh, sort of just radio show morning stunt bits and stuff like that. I just, I, I just wanted to talk and interview people and had ideas and and there would be bits, but they'd be sort of my bits and um, maybe a little less traditional than normal standard morning fare. You had a better run than David Lee Roth did, though. Oh yeah, we <laughs> were. A disaster. Uh, we were number one in most of the cities I was in. You know, Seattle and Vegas and places. Places. What was like the that. What was the network on that deal? It was here, L.A., Seattle, Vegas. Yeah, remember? I'd have to Google it or something. It's been but a while. We we're in about twelve cities, and there were good size cities you'd heard of, and we did well. In, in all the places we're at. So it was pretty successful. I mean, I would get bonus checks from being number one in Vegas and bonus checks from being number one in Seattle and that kind of stuff. So it, 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 it we didn't flame out and, you know, not have it, not have it work, but the, the mother station switched formats. And when they switched formats, they just went from talk to music. And mm-hmm. when they did, that was it for me. Right. How was the money? Uh, uh, the money. And you and I talked about this. And I haven't listened to it. I mean, you were on my show about God. It's been ten years ago, but you told me about it, and I forgot. Did it? How was the money on the radio? You being the host of the big morning show versus the man show. Was it more? Uh, the money for the initial radio show contract was like three years, ten million dollars, or something like that, and then they. And then the second year came along, and instead of getting a pay bump, I got a pay demotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third, but I was getting bonus checks. Uh, the man show, God, we would get paid like maybe 30 grand an episode and do like 21 episodes mm-hmm. a, a season or something like that, as I, as I recall, something like that. I mean, that. you were doing radio back when radio, you could make money in radio. Yeah. I think you were on the end of that. I know yeah. you were on the end of that. Yes, I was probably at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what – I got crippled up in a motocross wreck years ago, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life mm-hmm. at 32, and I wanted to get into radio because, obviously, you don't have to walk a lot in radio. Mm-hmm. And Stern had just left. You'd taken over, and I started this car thing to get on the radio on Saturdays and to have an excuse to be on, mm-hmm. get my chops down. And – uh, I was like, I can make a living doing this. And I was looking at some of the money. That's why I asked that some of these guys were making back then. But by the time I'd earned my cut to be able to get recognized, to be real, the money was gone. Yeah, it's not what it used to be. I mean, look, it used to be you'd be a successful morning show in Los Angeles and only Los Angeles, just one market, and you're getting millions of dollars a year, right. each, each each member. You know, or uh, each player on the team, you know, the morning team, there was good, good money. And mm-hmm. then it started, you know, cycled out like anything, I guess. And then you, you know, jumped on the podcast wagon first, maybe not first, but first known brand that jumped on that I remember. It was definitely early. And they would also podcast my radio show. So even though I wasn't intentionally podcasting when I was doing an terrestrial radio it was number one on itunes or so i was informed Mm -hmm. and people were doing the early version of podcasting with my 
terrestrial radio show. What do you uh, – and I don't want to make this some interview. I mean, there's a gazillion interviews, I'm sure, of you out on the ra- – I mean, uh, everywhere. Uh, nobody wants to hear the same old shit, so I'll try to chop – I mean, I, I'll come at you from different angles that I think are more real world. But So Rogan is the man now, if that, if that is the word. Mm-hmm. But what did he do different than you did? What, where, where do you, what, why do you think he's so successful? I don't know. And I, I'm not putting I you did. down by any means. Don't take it as that. Everybody has their time when they're Taylor Swift. I did uh, I did Joe's show uh, more than once. Uh, we, you know, first I'd just go to his house and he'd just get high and just do do the show. Um, I He's a smart guy. He's an interesting guy. He's an interested guy. Um, and he would go like, you know, really long format you know, three hours or whatever. And I don't, I mean, he's an interesting guy. I don't, I don't really think he's doing a comedy show. I think he's just doing an interesting guy interview show. And I don't, I don't know how to explain the success, what the difference is. Well, I mean, cause I don't see it. I'm not knocking on him, but I don't see where the glue is that or the, the ignition that is so damn successful. You don't, I mean, it's, it's that way in every, arena except for sports pretty much like you go god there's so many more mcdonald's than there are you know whatever your favorite burger is you know and then you go why you know why i sometimes it's timing sometimes there's something we're unaware of sometimes it's pixie dust uh i don't know i mean he interviews interesting people and does it in an in an interesting way but it's never going to be you would never be able to take Let's say if you took 10 people from some other, some from the past, mm-hmm. from the 50s, okay. and you just said, listen to this podcast, listen to that guy's podcast, listen to my podcast, listen to her podcast, and then you tell me which ones are ranked the most successful. I don't know that they could see it, right. you, you know what I mean, or even tell it. You know, um, you know, like I said, in sports, hey, LeBron James just put up a 40 burger. I think that's pretty easy to quantify. You sure. know what I mean? This realm is is different, you know, and it's sort of like you'll see ones where it's like, hey, the uh, blonde chick is talking shit about the other blonde chick. You know, like, why, why is that rated so, so high? high? You know what I mean? And there's there's not much of a rhyme or reason for it or to it. Um it is what it is. You have to go out and just put out the best product you can put out on a daily basis. And that's, that's where your job ends. Right. You know, and that's the way I feel, feel like it. And also it'll be cyclical. You know, there'll be this person you never heard of. And then five years from now, we'll, we'll be all about that person. And then at some point they'll have had their run and somebody else will, will come along. I mean, you know, stand-up works the same way, sitcoms, all entertainment's the same way. So I don't know how quantifiable it is. I'm not a big digest. You know, I, I don't listen to a lot of radio. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. You probably don't either because we do this, and, and why do it and then listen to it all the time? It drives you crazy. But um, the dude is funny. I'm just talking about Rogan. And yeah. his stand-up is spot on. His old stand-up is incredible. And I and I was surprised when I've listened to him a little bit that I don't see that in there. He is almost like he's intentionally pulling it out. I 
you know, I think when you do comedy, you comedy's a it's a calorie burner. It really burns calories. Um, and then also you evolve. You get older, your, your mindset changes. You want to talk to interesting people and have a more subdued long-term conversation, long-form conversation with the person and know about them. I do comedy on my, in my podcast a lot, but then sometimes I get interesting guests and there's not much comedy. We're just trying to be interesting and right. informative or something. So I don't really put much stock into it, but yeah, I agree with you. It's not a, it's not a comedy podcast per se, but I, I'm sure Joe would be the first one to tell you that. Sure. I've watched your stand up, and it's, uh, cause when you were, when you, when you were doing my show to promote your Texas stuff, it was a while back. And I went and watched you do your bit at uh, Improv. And it was fun, but that, how long, did, so a 30-minute, well, you, well, you do about an hour and a half, don't you? Uh, yeah, I did, or I would. I do, I do an hour plus, probably, when I do stand-up. And how long does it take to get that together? Forever? And do you stick with the same, I mean, I know you read the room no. and, and roll with it. Do you, do you do your radio persona and let it fly, or are you ready? With the one-two boom, one-two boom. Do you stick to your script? Uh, I have a set list, and the set list changes a lot, but the material is material. It's not so much me going out and asking where people are from. I don't really do crowd work right. anymore. Um, I somehow feel like uh, it's easy for me to do crowd work, and I because it's sort of easy, I don't really want to do it. I'd rather try to figure out a joke and craft it and work it. And so, I tend to just stay with the with the material. Do you still get off on that? Is that a better high for you than any other medium? Being in front of that live crowd doing stand up. You know, it feels good to have people in the room. It feels good when you're really kind of rocking and rolling and they're really laughing. And yeah, it feels good. It's not, you know, for me, it's my wiring isn't really, I need to be on stage or I need to be the center of attention or focus or anything. I'm more of a beat swing and a hammer kind of, kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a sense of like, I need to be up on stage or I need, people to pay attention. I have ideas. I'd like to convey the ideas. Uh, but outside of that, it doesn't really end. You know, uh, when I was on TV, I never really much liked being on TV. I didn't really want to be on TV. I didn't, and like the makeup and the wardrobe and people looking at you and stuff like that. Right, like, yeah, it makes I you feel just, like a sideshow. Yeah, kind of. A feminine sideshow when you're in the makeup booth. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think much of it one way or the other. I just never had a desire to be seen. Um I would like to write a book and I hope you would read the book or maybe I'll make a documentary and you could watch the documentary. But I I never really had that thing that celebrity thing of of sort of being in front of uh people or on camera. Now, going out and doing stand up, I do it a lot. It's easy for me. I enjoy it, and I love it when the audience laughs. But when I get off stage, I'm not riding the high or buzzing or anything. I just have a drink, go back to the hotel, go right. to bed. I looked this morning, because um, I haven't looked in a while. I was looking for CarCast, mm -hmm. and it looks like it's been dead for a long time, and you just fired it back up. Am I reading that right? I stopped doing it uh, a year ago or so, but... Uh, 
Matt D'Andrea and Goldberg, I think, are the wrestler are continuing doing the show. Okay, because I thought I saw one, that, but I didn't read if it was. I, I didn't watch to see if it was you on it. So the recent posts are not you. Is he some no, of the guys? I'm going to say no. Gotcha. And what is your? Uh, was it successful in your eyes, or did it get too stagnant? Did you run out of material for it? I'm talking about Carcast. Uh, see, I do this radio show, mm-hmm. and it's tits ass rock and roll fun with a car button. And then I started leaning into doing a car cast, if you will, my own podcast or video series that's about cars, rebuilding stuff, you know, uh, the market, because I'm really involved in the car market, um, and just geeking out on cars, which I don't think the public wants to hear. But what I am realizing is more and more people are way into that than I ever thought they were. Mm-hmm. And these YouTubers with their big counts, you know, prove that. I don't know if you ever looked at Donut Media or Hoovy's Garage or Vin Wiki. These different deals and their fucking following is just like, wow. I've never really been an internet guy. I mean, I, Me go, I go on Bring a Trailer to see if there's some cool stuff up right. for sale. I hit the auction websites to see what Gooding's bringing to Amelia Island or Pebble Beach or what RM's got at you know, Pebble Beach. And uh, I love looking cars and uh, I like working on cars and, and, and all that stuff. I've just never really been a enthusiast. Is that the right word? Because I know what you're saying. I'm, I mean, dude, I, I'm deeper in cars than anybody, but I'm, I don't really consider myself a car guy. It's hmm. weird. Well, but maybe it's just because it's just so second nature to me. I don't identify like I built into it or something. I, well, for the lake, for the for the sake of labeling, I would just say I'm a car guy, and I would definitely say I'm an enthusiast. But first things, most of the cars I like, none of the car guys like. Mm-hmm. So then there's always an issue because they go every time they go, I'm a car guy. He's a car. He loves cars. You love cars. You're both car guys. And then you go, what do you like? And they go, I'm a Mopar guy. And then you go, I got a Datsun 510. And they go, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Right. And I go, it's a BRE 510. And they go, I don't know what that is. And I go, won the 2.5 Trans Am championship with John Morton driving in 1971. And they go, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what that, what that is. And then I go, I got a Porsche 935. And they go, I, I don't know what that is. I don't What's know that like the 911? And and I realize I'm a car guy. He's a car guy, but he just wants to tell me about his Chevelle with a big block. Right. And I'm not that. And he's a quarter mile guy, and I'm a road course guy. And then I find myself not that interested in what's going on with his Chevelle. Mm-hmm. Is what is what I'm saying. I like resto mods. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you like resto mods because they're doing a much better job with them now. Right. They're really nice now, and they're expanding. They they used to. I mean, I used to talk to the Ring Brothers about this and other guys like that. And I'd go, you know, you guys are doing amazing jobs, but you your platforms that you start with are such big square hunks of American shit mm-hmm. that all the breathing you do on them makes them cool. Right. But what have you started off with a Pantera? Or what if you started off with a 911? Or what if you started off with a Jag? You know, what if you start off with something with or, or with a vi- some vintage Lamborghini? What if you start off with something that was good and then you breathed on it? You know, that's what Singer started doing. That's what the Ring Brothers are doing it now. I mean, even just like taking a 65, 66 
fastback Mustang and having that as your jumping off point, you just have a better, more interesting shape to start with. So they are, and now guys are getting, you know, Bruce Kenepa is getting into doing 959 Porsches and he's even getting into, I, I was at a shop a few months ago. He's doing, he's doing Ferraris now. Like he's literally taking, He's doing a street 935. He's doing a street BMW M1 Pro car. I mean, he's taking good stuff and starting and jumping off instead Mm -hmm. of, I got the Chevelle or the Judge or whatever hunk of American shit that we started. Now, I get it because you're taking a car that's 500 grand and whacking it up. Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying. It changes the entry. But I'm seeing more. I'm seeing more Dino Ferraris getting breathed on. I'm much more interested in this realm now that you're taking really cool pieces that would have been cool standalone, right? And now getting into them. What if you were going to spend two fifty? What would you build? What do you, do you have? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You build your resto mod. What would you do? You know what would my jumping off car be? Mm-hmm. I would either do something in the 911 form or I would like do Like 70s? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean all the 911 shells are the the same, I guess. I, I guess. I'd probably pick something that had a little more 70s vibe to it. I might do that. The car I I've been wanting to do was like a 280ZX that was really good. They're long. They got that front long hood. I have. What would you put under? What? What? Like? Would you widen it? Would you reframe oh, yeah. it? Would you? I what would kind of running gear it. would you put under it? Well, it's kind of funny. A few years back, I had this idea. I was just out walking around, and I was thinking, someone should do a really killer 280ZXZ car. Mm-hmm. You box the the flares out. Mm-hmm. If you guys are listening, and you picture like an electromotive 280ZX turbo Trans Am car, you'll know what I'm talking about when you really bring the flares out. Newman drove a 280ZX turbo car, not C production, and it was really, really cool with the big big slicks and all that. So so I, you look at a 30 BMW M3, those kind of flares are bigger. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe a little more aggressive yeah. than that, but that's the stairs. Yeah. That's kind of a Euro vibe to gotcha. it. Uh, so I was like walking around one day and I was thinking to myself, I said, I'd love to build one of those cars and really do it right. And I would use the Newman Trans Am stuff and the Electromotive. You guys can look up Electromotive. They did a, the D, D, Dievendorf brothers and did a lot of winning in those cars and so on and so forth. They really had a great stance and they're wide and they just look, they just look aggressive. And Is stuff. that the frame manufacturer? Cause I'm not familiar with it. Or was it, does Morrison make that frame? Now, the Devendorf Brothers and Electromotive, I don't know, one day we'll, we should fire up the uh, monitor in here and have somebody put an Electromotive <laughs> well, to it. Well, no, they're, in, they, in post, they I built can have it. my guys do it. Yeah, they, Just imagine it's there, I'll have my guys do it. They built those cars. Yeah, but you need to see it. Right. Oh, now, so I understand. Right, right, right. right. Well, put up on your computer, yeah, I guess. Electromotive. Do right. that. Electromotive 280ZX. Uh, I'm probably say I wouldn't say Trans Am. I'd say Electromotive 286. So I was walking around and I had a idea for doing a, a Z car, and you asked me what engine I wanted to. Yeah, that's a knockoff. 
Okay. Uh, go upper left right there. That's the real one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, boxy flares, big slicks, turbos, you know, every everything with kind of a cool paint scheme. What's it? What's uh, under the hood? Uh, well, what they would have had under hood is a straight six with a turbo on it, probably 2.8 and would have been 2.8, but they're making like 700 horsepower. Really? Well, that's where the turbo right, comes of in. And that's where the genius part comes in, that you're you're doing endurance racing with a 2.8 liter motor. I mean, under three liter motor and you're getting 700 horsepower out of it. That's where the electromotive part, I mean, okay. that's where the engineering comes in. But um, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll power it with um, a, uh, you know, the idea I had was a Jag straight. Okay. Two cam, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 4.2, 3.8, you know, triple, triple Weber side draft, you know, 50s. I said, oh, because that car had a straight six in it. Right, so it'll fit. And I'll go with the straight six, but I'll go with the twin cam straight six with that big, beautiful Jag head on it and mm-hmm. the three three Weber setup and maybe a 4.2 or something in there. And that would be really killer. Is reliability a problem? Uh, no, not a mount. Not when you take it down that far. Not the mount you're going to drive that car. But I, uh, I then realized that I have an engine that's sitting around that would be killer for that car, which is um, Newman had a 280ZX, um, and they put a V8 in it, and, mm-hmm. he, and, he, and he raced it with it. Now, the ZX never had a V8 in it, but they somehow skirted the rules put a Japanese V8 in it and put a twin turbo on it. And it was insane. And I have one of the how many, engines. How many horses will, do you have one with the turbo, the twin turbo setup on it? Or you just have to build it? You'd have to build it. I have, I have a couple long blocks and I have, have it kind of finished. It had injection. Uh, they got like 933 horsepower. I was figuring a thousand out of it. And this thing doesn't weigh anything. So it's just, un- that that's a scooter. Explain to me who Electromotive is and what they are and why they're famous, because I don't I don't know anything. Yeah, it's that way with car guys that you talk to them about BRE and Pete Brock and Electromotive and Bob Sharp and all that, and they don't really know. They go, I don't, I don't, I don't know those guys. Right. I'm a Mopar guy. <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't a 446 pack, then yeah. we can't keep talking, boy. Um, it's like a trumper. <laughs> Dotson did a lot of r- racing in the you know late 70s. Early. They did a lot of racing. And there was the East Coast was Bob Sharp. And he was, was this their Shelby? He was driving with Newman. Was this their Shelby? Was Electromotive their Shelby? Was oh, Electromotive their Yenko? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. There, they, there was Bob Sharp out of the East Coast and Newman. There was Pete Brock who invented this. You know Pete Brock? Nope. Split level. Uh, sorry, split window Corvette. He designed and Pete Brock. You know the Shelby Daytona? Yes. That's his design. Gotcha. So he's that sort of whiz kid who came up with the engineering. I did a walkthrough with Gary Patterson a few months ago in Vegas, and we we cut up some uh, tape. It was good. I learned a lot. Do you, have you ever been to the Shelby America um, Museum out there? Colorado? No, in Vegas. Oh no! I've been in the one in Colorado. A few I didn't times. even know they had one. Oh, they got a great one. Uh, they got Daytonas there, real series mm-hmm. history Daytonas there, and Cobras and all. I've that been shit trying too. to buy a series one because I believe that they're going to rise in value. I mean, they're about 115 now. 
for the non-supercharged, and the supercharged is about a buck eighty. I don't think you could go wrong with buying that. Car. I don't either. Um, and then there's the Jag two twenty. That's more like five hundred grand, but you wouldn't go wrong with that car either. Electromotive was out on the West Coast. Bob Sharp's on the East Coast. Uh, Pete Brock, who worked with Shelby and for Shelby, broke away from Shelby and started his own race team, mm-hmm. uh, which is BRE. And uh, they all kind of battled uh, battled it out. So uh, Electromotive were these two brothers that were like, I think they were like aeronautical engineers or something, the Devendorf brothers, and they just brought all this engineering into these Z cars and started coming up with turbocharged motors that got 700 horsepower. Did they win? Yeah. BRE, uh, BRE won, Bob Sharp won, Newman and Sharp won, and uh, Electromotive uh, won, won as well. If you go to the car, that's a, yeah, that's another Devendorf car. Oh, that's a, shit. See that the way the fin is? It's a little different. If you go down to the left and you go three down to the left. Here? Three, sorry, three from the left. There it is. Okay. Yeah. That's the big that. Newman twin turbo V8 car, which is a twin turbo They had car. to move the frame to get that thing around. That yeah, is. that thing is almost a tube frame right. car. Yeah, I own that car. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Yeah. but that car, I'm not an enthusiast, the, but I do own the car. Where is it sitting? Oh, it's at a warehouse. Down that, here or in Reno? It, no, it's not in Reno. It, it'll probably end up in Reno, but it's down here. It's just my. I sold a warehouse. We shuffled some stuff around, and everything got kind of clusterfuck. So let's talk about it. What do you even do? You know how many cars you have? Uh, twenty five. Okay. And how? When's the last time you added to that twenty five collection? Um, it's been a minute. Um, did you get caught up in the COVID money or did you buy it all before? I got all before Good. COVID. Then you're in better shape. Um, I bought, I don't know, a Newman, uh, a Porsche. I think it was a Porsche that I got, got at last. He raced in, I don't know, the Petit Le Mans series, Road Atlanta. Uh, Is there a list of your something. cars online? Probably. Let's see if I can be. get it because it might stimulate your brain. I understand. Did you get too many cars and it's like, ah? Well, you, you I know can. When you see I them. can tell you what they are. I can. I can memorize them. Then start rattling them off real fast. I got a BRE Roadster. That's a Datsun 2000 Roadster. Everyone's going to have to Google all this shit. Huh? I have a BRE 510. It's a Datsun 510. I have a second BRE 510. I have a second BRE Datsun Roadster. I have uh, cutless tube frame cars, 89 and 90. Um, those were cars that Newman drove in Trans Am in uh, 89 and 90. I have a TR6 Triumph. What year? 70. Well, Newman won D production championship in it in 76. So it must be a 74, 75. It was a Bob Tullius car. You know, Bob Tullius's. See, you're a Mopar guy. I'm, I, <laughs> Bob Tullius did all the British Leyland. He did all the Jags. He raced all the Jags uh, out here. And that was a British car, obviously. Um, I have a... Muria, Yalpa. Hmm? You've got a couple Lambos. 
Oh, I don't. I don't have any of the lamb. I I have one four hundred two plus two. That's all I have in the uh, in the Lambo department. I have had some euros. I thought you had a Yelp when we talked last time. No. Okay. Um, I have a two eighty ZX, the turbo car you're looking at with the V eight twin turbo car. Yeah, I got. Uh, 200, I got a 935. That's a good-looking ring. Porsche. Yeah, that's a 935. That's kind of a big big deal. Big Porsche. Is that the most expensive one in the bag? Or the most valuable? I would say, yeah. I would say so. Where'd you find it? I found it at an auction. Which auction? Uh, Pebble Beach. I think it was RM. Sometimes I get gooding in RM. I hear you. Flip-flop. How many years ago did you buy it, you think? Uh, several, I don't know, five years ago, maybe more. Can't and remember. Do you remember what you paid or is it, do you not want to talk about it? No, it's, it's public info. It was like four, four or something. Plus 10% or do they no, do you a little I better? Think, uh, Those goddamn bifies will bust your ass, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to? Right. I hear you. Yeah. That's why I try to stay the fuck out of the auctions and buy them direct. Well, I, I, everyone, I'm, I'm, listen, that's what everyone wants to do until they get a car that you want. And, it, and that's the way it's being sold. Right. You know, I, I agree. I'd rather just walk up to somebody. Have you had much success? If you, I mean, um, having people scout them for you? Yeah. Are you a drunk bidder? Do you get there and get emotional and do it on the day of? Or do you go in there to buy it? Do you know where you're going there for? Or do you, or do you fall in love at the bar? Uh, well, I, w- I would usually research it and figure out what cars looked good to me and what, mm-hmm. what seemed like a a deal or what has value or upside or something like that. Sure. And then I'd get drunk. Okay. And bid. I was, do you know Gary Bennett from Barrett Jackson, the long haired dude? Yeah. He's, he works with us now mm-hmm. and he and his wife, Muffy. And he was telling um, me a story last week about every, every car you buy at Barrett Jackson, you get a pin and he looks up in the crowd and there's a, this guy has a pocket full of pins mm-hmm. and they're in the big car deal at that time of night. And he's like, hang on. And he pulls up this guy's buyer number. He's got a million-dollar credit line. He's like, fuck, that guy's got a lot of pins. And he spent $6 million. Goes mm. over to Craig and says, what do you want to do? And chop him down or are you let him roll? And they said, let's let him roll. And um, spends $11 million. And most of the cars are Pratt's cars. Mm-hmm. So next day, a guy comes in when he's not drunk and says, bad news. I don't have the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's like, okay, so they call Pratt and like, hey, man, this is too bad. Um, this guy can't pay for these cars. And Pratt's like, um, that's a you problem, homeboy. Wow. That is not a me problem. So they literally had to hold the guy's cars, make up a loan agreement, and he started making payments. And they would release the worst cars first mm. so that he didn't get out of whack. That's interesting. That's a bad example of a drunk buyer. But he did make good on it. And I don't want to say who it is because a lot of people know who it is. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But, it, but it, that's a... And there were other stories he was telling me how, you know, the guy comes in the next day after after being drunk at Barrett and buys the whatever, the Mopar. Yeah. Hey, guys, you got to let me out of this. You got to let me out of this. My wife will fucking kill me. I wasn't supposed to be doing this. I actually don't even know if I bid. And they play the tape back, and he's high-fiving his boys right. after he buys. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you bought it. So they would have to uh, put the car on ice for a minute and then send it to the next sale and sell it for him mm-hmm. because he couldn't have it delivered to his house or he'd have to tell his old lady what he'd done. Mm-hmm. But you could only imagine some of the great stories that happen in that setting to people that aren't used to that setting. But yeah, they, yeah. Well, that's do why you have they, one. That's why they serve. Do you have a Do you have a oh fuck story at a sale at an auction? 
No, I've gone to auctions and I've probably had paid too much for a car before. Not not regularly, but it's been 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 done. Uh, usually, the stories have a good ending. I usually get them at a at a good price and sell them at a at a better price at do some you point. S- what is your strategy on selling them, or do you have one? No, I don't have a strategy on selling them. I just get cars I like and then have them for a little while, and then at some point I, I want something else. Do you decide to sell them, or people come bug you about something and you just sell it? I had a car once that I it was a Ferrari that I paid about a buck fifty for, and that that was about the top of the market for that car. It was like a two plus two or something. They're worth more now, but mm-hmm. anyway, it was. Uh, a buck fifty was all the money for that car, but it was a really nice example, and it was really well done and and presented real well and everything. And uh, I had it, and I liked it, and maybe I had it for two years or something. And at some point, I'd, somebody came up to me and just said, "Like, I'll give you two fifty for the car." And I was like, I had no intention of selling it, but you sure. know, I'll make a you know, if you want to pay two fifty for a car that really wasn't worth two fifty at the time, uh, then fine. Now they're probably four you know 375 to 450 or something now so you know the person you're in that space so and you are a celebrity right i guess i think so i mean you might qualify so you get to see other people's car collections Mm -hmm. who is the i mean everybody you know leno is the gold standard obviously but who's the jaw dropper not and ralph lauren's the real jaw dropper but but have you ever seen jerry's seinfeld's now, I've seen a few of his cars at, at the place not too far from here where they're being restored. I'm friends with the guys doing the restoration, and I was actually Ren Sport, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a few of his cars there, and I had my car there, and we talked for a little while, and I was looking at some of his. But you haven't walked into his warehouse at Stack? No, he had about he had about three of his cars. I think he had a 906. He's got a 90 everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And maybe a 550 Spider. I'm trying to think of the other. I mean, he's. I, I, I've seen his 917, which is all you'd probably want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, the the McQueen Gulf liveried 917, that being restored at uh, Joey Cavallero's place, not too far from here. Uh, I've been to Bruce Myers' place. Got some pretty good, real good stuff. Been to Bruce Kenapa's stuff, uh, and there's a couple guys like in the up north who have the have the uh they got a f- ferrari um oh god i'm trying to think of uh trying to think of the ferrari gto like a real one mm-hmm. like a like a top of the food chain kind of you know 70 million dollar car <laughs> right oh uh, yeah i've seen a f- yeah i've been to a few guys and seen seen what they've had sure yeah are you friends with jay do you talk to leno much yeah i do and he doesn't ever sell anything does he no. I walked his deal with him a couple of years ago. Do you know um, Peter Tilden? Yeah. He's a dear friend, and uh, he took me over there one day, and, and Leno couldn't have been any nicer. He likes showing Super that nice. shit off. And, he loves it. Um, do you guys look for cars together? Do you, I mean, do, do you all share? Are, are you? Do you call him for his opinion when you're thinking about something? Are you all that kind of friend? No. We're good friends. We don't have the same collection or taste he doesn't have any race cars i don't have many street cars he called me once because they were filming a commercial for some high-end cologne and they wanted a 
Lamborghini 350 GT. It was a very rare car, which I happened to have mm -hmm. at the time. And wouldn't know if James Franco could drive it or something, something like that. And we worked that out. But in, let's in, talk about that real quick. So insurance. Mm -hmm. Are they all insured separately? I mean, this stuff gets expensive, I know, because I've got them too. Um, how do you handle yours? They just have like Chubb or one of those companies to Wrap do it. it on the, uh, they're not insured on the track. Okay. So if you want to race them, and I do, mm -hmm. then you're on, you're on, you're your, on own. your own. Yeah. It's called self-insurance, otherwise known as not having any. I get it. Um, do you have to, like when, when you let them borrow that one, did you have to check on anything or you know you're covered? I'm covered, I assume, but you know, I got to say, I'm not that thorough about it. And you're not that worried about Jay. If they wrecked your car, he'd probably take care of you. If, well, he was just brokering. He wasn't okay. there. Okay. He just knew I had one. So your guy, when we were talking about setting this up, mentioned Reno, Nevada, and you got a building that you're putting everything in. Is it everything or just some of it? The museum over there wants to house the Newman collection. Okay. So we're going to bring some of those Newman cars over there, and they're going to do a Newman display. And how many Newman cars do you have? 13. All right, that's a lot. Yeah. And when does the doors open on that, roughly? I I don't know. We're just at the beginning phases. They may be picking up some cars the first batch in the next couple of weeks or so. So it's pretty close to now, mm -hmm. sooner than later. But I, I don't think we have a hard start date. But if I was listening to this and I – was going to Reno and I wanted to see some Newman cars. I would, I would think, you know, minimum May twenty twenty four. No, no, I think it'll be sooner. I think maybe maybe March first or something like that. It's not going to take them that long. I don't think so. Is a couple this, months? Is this a show stop or is it where they're going to live? They're going to live there for for a bit. Okay. Hmm. How often do you drive this stuff? I mean, are, um, are you on a? Well, let me let me ask it better. Are you on a cycle? Are you on a system? Do you do you have a calendar? Because you know how it goes. The shit starts gumming up and 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 gumming up. Fluids gum up. It's a pain in the ass. Brake fluids gum up. Fuel gums up. Um, brakes lock up. Um, my schedule is I've done a couple of professional Trans Am races, which mm -hmm. I'm always happy to do if someone's going to offer me a ride right. in their Trans Am car. Um, and then I'll do some vintage racing and then we'll figure out what car goes to what event. And then you're going to have to go through that car, uh, before you put it on the track and there's groups, like there's the B-Sedan run group, you know, and they'll want me out there with my BRE 510 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so if I know several months in advance that they're going to be at Sonoma or Laguna Seca, then I can kind of get that car prepped and, and do it. But it's not... So you don't have an exercise schedule for your horses? No, because they're race cars and it's just not... I mean, maybe I should. I it's, keep forgetting that they're race like a, cars. It's not like a street car right. where you... You'd put the battery tender on it and fire it up and bring it up to temperature or something like that. These things, you know, if I showed you the the starting instructions for Newman's Trans Am Z car, it's a page long of plug this thing in, heat the oil, the mm -hmm. oil uh, hoppers in the back. You got to warm the oil first, then do this. I mean, the, the startup procedures on the fuels. Like a jet airplane. 116 octane cost. 
you know, 10 bucks or God, I don't know, 14 bucks a gallon or something like that. It's all nuts. Right. <laughs> well, the, uh, is, are, are you, is race car it right now? Is that, is that what trips your trigger? Yeah. I like racing them. I, I don't, I don't really like driving on the street that much. I mean, LA is a potholes and cops and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is not really worth it. And you get on the track, you can do what you want. Are you from out here? Mm-hmm. It is nice. I haven't been here in a while. I used to come every two weeks because we run our auction in Dallas, um, and we syndicate the cars digitally into that. It, it'd be like syndication on radio, but in reverse, mm-hmm. where the towers are going back to you in the center. And and so we we have our hub in Dallas. We sell a thousand cars a week in, wow. in six lanes. And then, but the L, the West Coast deal never could get to work in that syndication model because of the time zone. Mm. And and you know we started nine thirty seven thirty was too early so when the cars that were sitting on the ground here were up we didn't have enough money on everybody bidding on them was figuring transportation across the country uh huh and when you're running on a small margin that doesn't work so we started a live lane in Anaheim so I have a lane that starts um, at nine thirty here in Anaheim every Wednesday and I was on a routine where I was coming every two weeks and repping that lane. To get rolling, and I forgot how much I like this. I, I, I haven't been um, – it got everything working. And then I used Comrex from Dallas to set me up in L.A. where it sounded like I was there, mm-hmm. and I just quit having to travel. And um, I haven't been down here about seven months, but I, I the the scene and the weather and the everything, is it worth the taxes? No, I'm definitely moving. <laughs> definitely moving. Are you really? Oh yeah. Where to? Anywhere. Anywhere. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Is it fourteen percent? It's knocking on the door. Fourteen percent. If you're a high earner, yeah. Right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for the info. Um, I'm glad that uh, I came by. Thanks for loaning us your studio for your interview. Sure. sure. And. Um, do you have anything here? Any cars? No, nah, I'll show you a couple of pictures of a couple of cars and yeah. some stuff, uh, but I don't have any. I don't really have anything here. Are you touring anywhere in in twenty twenty four? Oh yeah, I'm all over the place. You got a? Do you already have your schedule? I, if you go to adamcrolla.com and they'll you'll see live dates or live events or something, I'll probably come to a town near you. Sure, Dal- Dallas is near me. Yeah, so I, I'll assume you'll come there. Well, cool. Um, Appreciate it, Adam. Sure, my Thanks, pleasure. Sir. Thanks, Jeff.